Assalamualaikum brothers and sisters. Today we're going to be talking about the belly of the whale. Yes, it's that stage in the hero's journey where there's no turning back. One's crossed the threshold and one encounters something that is so deep, so shocking, so profound, so immersive, so transformative that even if you were to return at this stage, you wouldn't be the same. What you see, you can't unsee. What you experience can't be undone. It's going to change you in some way, shape or form. And although the next stage of the hero's journey um, is, which we will talk about in coming weeks, is about tests and um, adventures and help along the way and various other things. Um, this stage, this stage of the journey is all really ultimately about the transformation. So really you can, you can split, you can split the, you know, this, I, the hero's journey into, into three parts, um, three general broad parts. And, and one is departure, which we talked about, we've talked about that already. So we talked about the, you know, the normal world, the ordinary life that everybody lives, uh, the call to adventure, the meeting of the mentor and cross crossing the threshold and this is really so the next stage is initiation the next stage is when you move into that realm that different it's almost like a different it is in reality a different world um, and the whole point of all of these experiences ultimately although we tell them in stories and those stories are real stories and sure some of these stories and these myths are real things that actually happened of course we completely believe uh, the stories of the quran that they're real things that actually happen but even in mythology there are things that may or may not have happened it doesn't matter it's actually not that important what is really important is that they all have something in common and that is the change that we human beings are going through the trials and difficulties that we go through in life and what it does to us, how it changes us, how it hopefully it should make us better, improve us, make us stronger, make us more empathetic, make us more compassionate, make us more caring and make us. Yeah, I mean, that's it really. It's, it's all about that transformation. So ultimately what we're talking about here. So the, I, the, the, this entering the belly of the whale is in a sense about a deep transformation, what you could call annihilation. It's what in Buddhism is called nirvana. And nirvana doesn't mean enlightenment, as some people think. It actually means annihilation. And what it really is about is the annihilation of the ego. It is when this, this the, the belief or the obsession with yourself ends and you realize ultimately that yourself is not really worth that much, that you are really part of something much bigger, something much more important, that you are perhaps just a small cog in the whole process uh, of what makes everything work in this world. Um, so, yeah, this is what it's about ultimately so obviously the most famous story the belly of the whale that we know about is you know is about Eunice or we in English is called Jonah Jonah and the whale Eunice alayhi salam and actually 
subhanallah, his story is exactly um, parallels in this particular case that part of the monomyth. This universal experience that we find across cultures. So what is happening? Well, let, let's go through a little bit the story of Yunus and let's see how maybe we can reflect upon that and see what that has to do with our own particular you know, journey in life or journeys. Because as we said before, it's not necessarily just one journey. It's not just necessarily one experience. We could be going through many different journeys uh, in respect to different things, and we could be at different stages all at the same time, actually. Uh, but this is for simplicity. We just break it down into these tangible stories that helps us to make sense of what is happening to us, to us in our lives. Um, and sometimes it, ju it just really helps us to be able to say, okay, well, I'm going through this. And then when we see and we know and we hear about other humans who have gone through the same thing, that's why we find it so fascinating. That's why we find these stories endlessly fascinating because they are inspiration. They inspire us and they move us and they motivate us and they give us courage and they help us to understand that if these people went through all of that, we can go through that as well. So this is the reality of the human experience. So Yunus alayhi salam, as we know, he's a messenger of Allah. He is, um, he's, you know, he's a Nabi, he's a Rasul actually. And he's sent to the people of Nineveh. Now that is a city, an ancient city that goes back to Assyrian times. At one time, it was one of the largest cities in the world. And actually this city existed in different forms up until the you know the the late middle ages until it sort of fell into complete decline and um until present day it's just ruins the only final thing actually the only remaining thing uh of that city until recently was a shrine that was supposed to be maybe the graveyard or the grave or some shrine of Yunus alayhi salam and that itself was destroyed by ISIL or ISIS very recently, as, as maybe we know. And they also destroyed some of the walls and so on and so forth and ransacked some of the uh, archaeological artifacts and so on and so forth. But anyway, that's the city that he was sent to. Of course, at the time, they were very rebellious against Allah. They were disobedient to Allah. And he was inviting them and calling them to Islam. Uh, and unfortunately, they did not listen to, they did not respond to his call. And Yunus was really, like, he was really angry and he was upset. And basically, he, he left. He left in anger. He left because he was really upset. They were not listening to him. And he left before Allah gave him the go-ahead. He left before uh, Allah gave him permission. And I, I guess maybe he was just really angry. He'd really just given up the idea that these people were ever going to listen to him. Allah knows best. It doesn't matter the exact details. The point is that he left before Allah gave him the go-ahead and gave him permission. He went on a boat. His idea was to get as far away as possible. And when they were on the sea, there was a storm. And the sailors being naturally, you know, superstitious lot, they, they well, actually, they considered that there was someone on that ship who had done a terrible, some terrible, terrible deed. So what they did is that they decided to draw lots so that this would determine who that person was. And the lot fell on uh, on Yunus, alayhi salam.
So either Yunus threw himself uh, out of the ship, and as far as I know, this happened three times. He drew the lot. So they considered this, this was it. He is definitely the guy. This is not coincidence anymore. So I think he threw himself off the boat in the storm and he was swallowed by a whale. That is, this is, or he was swallowed by a fish or a whale. Allah knows what it is. Um, I was reading some interesting discussions about what sort of a creature it may have been. Apparently, the, the only really likely candidate is a blue whale, whale which actually could swallow a human. And apparently, the blue whale has three stomachs, um, like a cow. I think a cow has seven stomachs, but it has various stomachs. And um, but you know, anyway, normal a human being couldn't normally survive in the whale of a stomach. But then nor could a human being survive in a fire. And Allah SWT caused Ibrahim السلام, to survive the massive fire that he was thrown into. The point being, anyway, this is a type of, you know, this is something that Allah SWT sent uh, by way of a trial and by way of a test. As we know, Yunus, when he found himself in this situation, he and that Allah said he would have left him there. As lot, you know, he would have left him there, but the Yunus was making dua and he was making toba, and he's making this beautiful dua that he was making, um, seeking forgiveness from Allah, making toba to Allah. And so after three days, that the, the whales threw threw Yunus out onto the shore, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the you know, a, uh, like a plant to grow over him and a goat to appear to give him milk. And uh, and subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, he got better, returned to his people. And alhamdulillah, his his people reformed and his people changed. So it's it's a beautiful story uh, in many ways, has so many benefits for us. But, I, the, you know, which we're not going to go into today. But the main point being is that it's the be the, the it's the transformation. It's what happens to Yunus alayhi salam in the belly of the whale. And what happens to him ultimately is this, it is that annihilation. It is that complete self-annihilation, that realization there, and this is the main point, that there is no resource, there is no refuge there is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, that there is nothing except complete and total submission and surrender to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one is not accusing, um, you know, Yunus here of some major sin. But we have to remember that what Allah expects from his messengers is not what he expects from you and me. Uh, in the same way, we could say that, you know, we, we expect higher standards from certain human beings. We don't expect everybody to behave in the same way. And we would look, for example, as the transgression of a politician, for example, in office who abuses their power, um, you know, not not to be on the same level as a dustman or, a, I don't know, an, an illiterate peasant. I mean, what one expects higher standards from a doctor, for example. Uh, we don't expect uh, doctors to betray their trusts and to inflict harm knowingly upon their patients we expect certain standards. And so therefore the standards that is expected of the prophets is very, very great. And that's something that may be for us totally uh, understandable that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not even, you know, even subhanAllah consider it something, but for the, for the prophets, the standard or the level that Allah expects from them is much higher. 
So, so the point being here is that, remember, Yunus has left giving dawah to his people without Allah giving him permission. And so it's in this, and so this is the, now he is in the belly of the whale. The belly of the whale is this, it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be the belly of a whale, it could be anything. It is a place where your soul turns totally immersed in that environment that there, the transformation is inevitable. So for Yunus in this situation, it is his realization that he is totally trapped. There is no way out for him. There is no resource. There is nothing for him except to totally do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, <clears throat> you know, wants. What Allah loves, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects. There's no other path for him to take. Um, and so, but that, of course, for most of us, that this transformation can happen in many things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a spiritual transformation. I was reading when I was reading about this subject, for example, um, one of the one of the people writing about it was talking about the Beatles and how they spent. I don't I can't remember, you know, two years um playing in these caverns you know in hamburg and it was like hours and hours eight nine ten hours uh every night they were playing and you know it it, it was this totally immersive uh non-stop type of experience and it transformed them similarly the way that people who want to learn a language they go and they live in the land where people speak that that language and totally immerse themselves in that culture. It could be anything, anything that you want to do, that you are so totally immersed and so totally focused in that realm that it's going to change you. It can't help except, except change you. And part of it is that almost losing yourself, that annihilation, that the fact that you lose yourself in the depth and the density of that activity in which, you know, you're taking place. I think in a sense, we can see in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this also happens, but in perhaps a very different way. And the transformation that is happening to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a little bit different. And that is the time when, uh, after the Prophet ﷺ got the first revelations, then there was a break. Uh, and, you know, the scholars differ about how long this break in the revelation was. But you, you have to now imagine, you have to think about the Prophet ﷺ, the first revelation that he gets in the cave of Hira. And maybe one could think of the cave itself um, as the equivalent in the monomyth of the belly, the belly of the whale, that place of transformation. Um, uh, but but um, maybe not. In this, in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, I don't think so. I think it comes later when the Prophet ﷺ actually, when the revelation doesn't come to him anymore. And, you know, in a sense, he begins to sort of doubt himself. He begins to, in a sense, doubt that experience. Even according to uh, some some uh, books of Sirah and some scholars, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, he even contemplated, he even had a thought of killing himself because he was so uh, upset and frustrated. And so, you know, you, you have to imagine that, subhanAllah, you see Jibreel filling the horizon, 
you get this revelation, this subhanAllah that is unlike anything. The words are so powerful and we know that how the Qur'an, the power of the Qur'an transformed the Arabs. When they used to hear it, they would be dumbstruck. They would, people would become Muslim just listening to the Qur'an. So, and so the Prophet is receiving this revelation, this weight. He's experiencing all of these things and then nothing. Nothing's happening. And this, in a sense, is the same. This, in a very, very deep spiritual, psychological way, this, in a sense, is, it was the, is the equivalent of the belly of the whale. Because now the Prophet here has crossed the threshold. He's gone into this. This whole different world, it's the same world, right? But spiritually and psychologically, it's different. You understand? That's the main point. Um, and he, this is the stage of initiation where the Prophet ﷺ is now really being initiated by Allah SWT into what it means to be a prophet, the responsibility of being a messenger, the responsibility of being a Rasul, and all that comes with it. And so this, but Allah is doing this, as the scholars explained, to create this yearning in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ, this yearning for this connection with Allah, this yearning to receive the revelation. Uh, and it's that yearning in the Prophet ﷺ that is the transformation, that is the the ultra the, the really the the deep transformation in a sense that that may be one of the most difficult things the prophet وسلم, is going through although he he did mention you know for example when his journey to taif uh similarly as and, and this will be another example it's just another example that how in your journey of life there are not only maybe one of these moments there can be several of these moments uh, and I suppose that when the Prophet وسلم, he goes to Taif to give dawah to the people there, this is another similar moment. Um, uh, but but I think if I'm looking for one thing in the life of the Prophet وسلم, that really reflects this stage of you know this the journey of the true hero, and as we said before, it's the greatest hero, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Really, and it doesn't need to be there. Not every journey of every hero is going to go through every single one of these stages. Anyway, it's not, you know, it, it's not the case. But but I think we find the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam really, and you know, amazingly, this is what is so one of the things that is so powerful about the life of the Prophet is that it brings together so many elements of what we human beings consider to be admirable and best and noble in human being. And we find that in the Prophet It's truly why, you know, his his life is, is truly remarkable and an inspiration and a motivation for all of us. So this is, you know, this is the belly of the whale. The point being here again is that two things are happening. Number one, it is the annihilation of your ego. It is this place where you are feeling totally helpless in a way. You are totally immersed in the experience of what is going on. It is the first step that is transformational and there's no going back. Once you've entered the belly of the whale, once you've gone into that place, 
it doesn't matter what happens to you afterwards in the sense that you'll never be the same. You can't unsee what you've seen. You can't experience what you experienced. However hard you try, however hard you try, um, it's always there. Um, so th this is this is very important. It's a very, very important stage. And of course, it may not be so dramatic for everybody. And again, it's not necessarily a literal physical experience. The key to all of this is understanding that these experiences are spiritual and they are mental and of course of course they can be physical as well of course they can be so brothers and sisters i wonder in your life in your journey have you experienced something like that have you experienced a moment i mean i can think if i think about myself possibly you know what was my moment that i could you know look look at as being similar to that I, I don't know, Allahu Alam. The only thing that I can think of, I mean, there, there are some things that I can think of. Um, uh, uh, th there's one experience I had probably, which I'm not, you know, I, I don't really talk about it, but I had a very, very, very deep, very shocking, very uh, scary um, sort of spiritual experience that shook me up really really badly uh and and uh yeah similarly that a feeling of just totally being unable to escape allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but certainly in terms of i guess maybe this may come later on in the journey of the you know in, in the hero's journey and we're all on the hero's journey by the way i'm not saying i'm a hero but we're all on that journey we should all be anyway right because we all hopefully want to be heroic in some way truly heroic really in the sense that we are people of compassion who are compelled to transform ourselves and make ourselves better and to transform the lives of others and make their lives better that's what it's all about brothers and sisters Please, this is what it is really about. Remember, it's not about the ego. It's almost exactly the opposite. It is about learning to be more selfless, learning to be more compassionate, learning to care and give and sacrifice for the sake of your fellow human beings. I think for me, one of the, you know, the really massive transformative moments for me and something that really sticks out in my mind until today was when I was making, uh, when I was making, when I was making Hajj, when I made Hajj for the first time, the first time I went to Mecca. Um, and in a way, I suppose it's almost very different because I, instead of going to a place of darkness, like the belly of the whale or the cave, it's often a very scary, you know, the, in the monomyth, it's often a very scary, traumatic place. Uh, but for me, it was almost exactly the opposite. But hear me out hear me out and this is to show how you you have to think about this and how different everybody's experiences could be right so for me when i made hajj um i remember when i first got to mecca when i got to masjid al-haram when i went to into the masjid and i was walking through the masjid going towards the kaaba and I remember it was at night, so the Kaaba was all lit up with floodlights. And it honestly, it looked totally surreal. It just seemed as if the Kaaba 
was on a movie screen. It didn't look real to me. It looked really surreal. It just looked like almost like it was a picture there. Um, and I feel I didn't feel really connected to it. So but what happened, it was this moment when I stepped down from being in the masjid into uh, the, that wide open space that is around the Kaaba. And the, of course, there were all those thousands and thousands of people making tawaf, right? So this is it. It's me stepping into this massive whirlpool of, you know, this throng of humanity. Now, so hear me out. Why would this be, you know, an equivalent? Why would this be so? Because this for me was very challenging. You have to understand, right? As someone who's coming from the West, and you have to think, therefore, of very much a person who is imbibed with the ideas of individuality, of individual heroism, uh, very, you know, the, these very individualistic ideas and very, I suppose, uh, self-centered ideas about yourself almost being the center of everything. Uh, and really, that's in a sense that is something that permeates uh, Western culture very, very strongly. Um, and and so uh, and then the idea of individuality, the idea of exclusivity, you know, the, something that's also very often, um, how can I say, imbibed in the ideas of particularly white people is this idea of superiority, civilizational, social, maybe even mental superiority feeling somehow better than people because, you know, maybe you're European, you're, you're British or whatever. So all of these things. So you have to remember, this is my baggage that I'm carrying. And so I'm stepping down into this throng of people. Now, why is this transform transformative? Because it's that moment when I am dressed in these two garments, right? This cloth, these two pieces of cloth, I don't have any exceptional clothing. I don't, there's nothing exceptional about what I'm wearing, nothing exceptional about a book because we're all dressed the same way. And then you are in, I just stepped into this throng of human beings and everyone was making tawaf. And it was at that moment that there was this realization. That's where, I, that's where there was this annihilation for me, this annihilation of my ego. You know, in the sense that I realized that who was I? I wasn't really anything. I, it was this this realization of how actually insignificant I was. And that amongst all of these people, all of them there, all of them worshiping Allah, all of them who had made this great journey, this great, great sacrifice to come on Hajj, to come to the house of Allah. Many of them obviously sacrificed way, way more way more than I had, more than I could even imagine some of them. I, I, I know that. And then what was I amongst all of those people? What did it mean to be white or to be British or to have a British passport or any other of the number of things that we think are so important? I just realized it, it was that moment I realized it was all nothing. It just didn't mean anything. The only thing that was really important was my heart. Was my heart pure? Did I really love Allah? Did Allah love me? Was I really worshipping and in awe and in reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That, I realized, was the only thing that's really important. Nothing else matters.
nothing else matters. That was it for me. And yeah, Hajj was a challenge. There's no doubt it was challenging. Um, and um, it wasn't some, I mean, I, I definitely didn't have the hardest time. I saw people sleeping on bits of cardboard by the side of the road um, and some things I'd never wanted to forget those things. And I didn't, I didn't want to forget them because I thought I always want to remember how much people sacrifice for their love of Allah and their, just their desire to fulfill this pillar of Islam, even though maybe they didn't even have to. Maybe they didn't have to. They just wanted to. Because you can't imagine that some of these people actually had enough money. They must have, they saved everything they had, maybe, just to be able to make this journey. For me, I made it because I happened to have the money and I, I had to, as far as I was concerned. You know, if I had the money, I had to make it. Um, so, yeah, Hajj for me was, in a sense, definitely that part of that moment. Um, and yeah, no turning back from that. No unseeing what you've seen. Uh, no, no way to disentangle yourself from that experience. Not that you'd want to. Maybe some people would want to. Unfortunately, they do. People backslide and go so far, and they backslide so far that it's almost like they they hide and lie to themselves. But you can't, and and that's the point, brothers and sisters. That's the point about this journey. Of course, you can fail. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't be heroic. If everyone made it, we wouldn't look at it as something amazing, and we wouldn't be fascinated by these stories because we're not fascinated by what's common. We're not fascinated by what's normal. We're fascinated by what is extraordinary. We're fascinated by what is different. We're fascinated by people who have gone beyond what the rest of us can do, have pushed themselves, who have, yeah, they've pushed themselves and they've reached a different plane. They've reached a different level. They've reached a different stage. Um, and but we can all do it in some way, shape, or form. Believe me, almost everybody can do something that some people will look at and consider that's amazing. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. Be the hero of your own journey, be a true hero, of course, in, in the light of Islam. That's what we want to understand what this journey is really about. And we'll be exploring more of it in weeks to come, inshallah. But yes, that's the belly of the whale, brothers and sisters. So until next week, inshallah, maybe you can share with me on some of the comments about your experiences. Do you think you've gone into the, the belly of the whale? Have you immersed yourself in something so completely that it's changed you and transformed you? Um, it could be many things. It doesn't need to necessarily be a religious uh, thing or a spiritual thing. It could be a physical thing. It could be you, you became really good at some skill through, I don't know, five years of nonstop working at it. How do these guys who are entrepreneurs, and I guess, again, like it's not that we are so fascinated by entrepreneurs because they're rich 
you know, that's not, that's really not like, why, why do people find Elon Musk, for example, so fascinating? Is it because he's the richest man in the world? I don't think so. Because there's plenty of people who are rich. Are we fascinated by the Sultan of Brunei or, you know, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salman or any of these people who basically inherited their wealth? Is there anything fascinating really about them? Not really. Yeah. Maybe for some unsavory reasons or, uh, you know, but not really, because we know they just got it passed on from them, you know, their parents like, you know, wow. Yeah. Big deal. But someone who um, really worked and worked and, you know, like legendarily Elon Musk slept, you know, he says he slept in the factory and he he just he didn't even go to bed. He just slept on a couch in the factory. He was working so hard nonstop. It's that type of thing. That's what fascinates us. That's what gets us when a person pushes themselves so far and so hard and then they come out on the other side. And they're changed and they're transformed and they do something to change and transform our world. But it, it doesn't need to be something so huge and big. Maybe you've just done that in your local community, in your family. Maybe something that you've done for yourself that no one knows about. Just you and Allah and the angels writing your deeds. That's what's important at the end of the day. Until next time, brothers and sisters, thank you for joining me. May Allah bless you. Jazakallah May Allah keep you safe and uh, may Allah help you on your journey. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.